Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and you're listening to Conversations with Smart, Amazing Women. Each week we bring you an outstanding woman who is a leader in her field. Now, these amazing women are role models for living your life purpose, how to be resilient, create positive relationships, build successful careers, and helping you discover your own leadership talents. Now, if you've been listening to these conversations, you you know I've been interviewing these amazing women for nearly a decade. I love sharing their stories so much, I chose 19 of the best experts from these interviews to co-author my book, Leading Women, 20 Influential Women Share Their Secrets to Leadership, Business, and Life, which, of course, is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and the business section of your area bookstores. So go get a copy or buy one for for one of your best friends. Now, my amazing guest today combines both of my passions, women's leadership and, oh, my great love for horses. She is an executive coach. Her name is Evelyn McKelvey. And she's the founder of Equine Coach. Uh, Evelyn talks about following the roadless traveled, exploring music, the performing arts, business, education, and recently as a senior management in IT at the University of British Columbia. She also earned her certificate in executive coaching from Royal Woods University. This is fascinating, and it's fascinating fascinating because how much... Horses. She talks about how horses can teach us leadership. She incorporated equine and facilitated leadership development into, into her coaching practice. And she wrote the book, Executive Horse, 21st Century Leadership Lessons from Horses. Now, if you've been following my Facebook and you know how much I love horses, that's why I'm so excited to welcome Evelyn McKelvey to Conversations with Smart, Amazing Women. Well, Evelyn, thank you so much for being with me this morning, and um, as I said before I started the recording, we have much in common, but uh, the two things that are most important to me are uh, women empowerment, women's leadership, and then, of course, my equine background with horses that I love, show, and, and I'm actually breeding horses, too, so we have a lot in common. Yes, we do. As I said, we need to be lead mares in our own lives, and we can explain that a little bit more later. But, uh, you know, your your book, The Executive Course, 21st Century Leadership Lessons from Horses, this is such an important piece of information that more people need to understand. Horses have been in our history. I mean, we, we, we've kind of forgotten what, the history of our horse because, you know, horses for centuries and in many parts of the country still continue to be one of the most important components of everyday living in the United mm-hmm. States. Of course, that has changed with automobiles and, and different technology and so forth. But those of us that own horses, show horses, and breed horses think of it much, much more differently than that. But your personal story is a, is so important, I think, for people to know about because it really talks about the importance that we surely can't forget the horse and how important it is to all of us. So if you don't mind, let's start out with you talking about your personal story. What brought you to this point in your life? How did this all come about for you becoming this coach, this life coach? And, of course, you're a horse trainer and you're in your equine training leading to leadership and coaching. If, if you don't mind, Nancy, I just want to uh, say that the title of the book is The Executive Horse. And it is very close to the idea of the executive coach, which is what I am. But um, I did title the book The Executive Horse 
purposefully because of that relationship with horses to leadership. And um, so for those of you who may be wanting to, to look for my book, it is called The Executive Horse, 21st Century Leadership Lessons from Horses. And, um, and my story is in there. I went through a stage in life, I guess 20 some years ago, where I, I was let go from a job that I loved, that I was doing well at, but there was a, a change in leadership. And I found myself struggling to land on my feet and I ended up leaving my home here on the west coast of Canada and going to Toronto, um, or the the um, outskirts of Toronto, working in IT. And um, I was in, involved in a leadership role um, in a change management position. And uh, it was very intense. And I started to look around for something that I could do to, um, you know, outside of work to keep myself sane and healthy. And I decided I'd like to take riding lessons. And I'd always wanted to and um, never really had the time. And um, so I signed up. And on the very first lesson, I was just transformed Mm -hmm. by that powerful experience of being on this horse with this horse. Mm -hmm. And what happened for me was very physical and spiritual, not just the experience of, you know, doing something new and overcoming a fear. But um, I felt as though my spirit, my psyche, my physical and emotional body had been given a deep tissue massage. Yeah. And um, at that very moment, at the end of that lesson, I just had this powerful instinct that this was going to be my next career. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what that would look like because in the late 90s, uh, people weren't really doing this very much. Right. Mostly horses were, were used you know, for riding for the disabled, um, but there was very little going on outside of that with horses other than just the regular sport activities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So over time, I just dedicated myself to learning everything that I could about horses, about riding, about the different, you know, the equipment, the training, and um, started looking for teachers. And um, I ended up moving back to the West Coast a couple of years later and connected with a Canadian trainer named Chris Irwin, who opened my eyes to the kind of what I call the secret world of, of horses in there their language, the way they are with each other. And he's developed um, a way of decoding that and, and using it, teaching people to model that language with horses so that you're, you're really communicating with them in the way they wish to communicate or the way they do communicate. Absolutely. It's amazing. We, we don't really realize the things that we are communicating to other people because, again, we're not even aware of, of the kinds of things that we're putting off as far as sensory, auditory, or kinesthetic body language. I mean, just the things yes. that horses can teach us. Because horses are, are, again, everything in your body, they immediately sense and understand, which is, I think, which is hard for most people to understand when they're even thinking about it. But we're doing the same thing as human beings as well. Exactly. And that was the beauty right from the beginning. Was I was beginning to understand humans as mammals. Yeah. Which is, which is um, you know, in essence what we are. But we, we tend to live in this prefrontal cortex in, in an abstract world where we're completely out of touch with our animal instincts, um, our evolutionary um, path to how we got to where we are today, and, and out of touch with nature. I mean, that's a great point. Uh, I think somewhere in the book that you, you wrote that, you know, the sim- talking about the similarities between the horse, horse brain and the, and the human brain. If we, mm-hmm. if we stop and start to compare and, and really start to become more analytical, but how would you describe that? I don't think we know enough about the, the brain of the horse. 
there is a lot more research going on into brains, period. And, and one of the things that I've done is incorporate emotional intelligence as well as neuroscience into my coaching to help us understand um, what's going on. And, and um, if you don't mind me saying, the, the reason that I've done that is because I think it's so easy for us to stand next to horses who are, you know, without a vocal language that we can communicate that, with them. Um, it's so easy for us to project upon them what we're experiencing and assume that we know what their experience is. So that's why why it was important for me to, to learn to understand them on their terms as much as I could. Yeah. But, of, of course, they don't have this prefrontal cortex, and the, uh, seemingly they don't have the ability to conceive abstractly, although I, I think it's there's lots of evidence to suggest that... Um, there's certainly communication going on, which includes abstract concepts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think there's a big myth there that we need to know and understand more about ourselves as beings as well as horses. Yeah, yeah. And especially since they have been such an important part of our history as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but the thing about a horse, though, you know, is that they, they have a very, very long memory, which I yes. think, again, goes back to their whole whole uh, survival mode, which, uh, you know, you talked about the, in the book, The Brain, that, that basically humans, we are, uh, we also are looking, in, you know, maybe not at a conscious level, but at an unconscious level, any kind of threats. That yes. might Let's face it, if we humans are approaching in, in an essence of being in, in a threatful mode, I mean, we really do uh, kind of shut down a lot of possibilities. Isn't that, isn't that part of it? Absolutely. Yes, and that's true. As mammals, we share that um, fundamental dichotomy of seeing the world as either threat or reward. It's either, um, it's either risk or, or safety, and we tend, it's, it's been demonstrated through technology now, that we see threats as humans. We see threats faster than we see reward, and, um, and, and our bodies respond autonomically without any, in any way us having any control over that. And I think one of the most powerful things that I've learned about that is that it is going on all the time. We are classifying the world as either a threat or a reward, and we're perceiving the world through that lens. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, of course, horses are doing the same thing. But our strategy for survival has evolved differently from theirs. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, in fact, what has happened to us, uh, my background is also in, in different types of anxiety disorders that people do are reacting that way. They don't understand sometimes why they do have these anxiety modes or anxiety mm-hmm. feelings. So we're, we've had to actually help understand the fight or flight mode for human yep. beings. Horses have always had the flight, you know, uh, fight or flight mode, but we humans need to understand it because we're, we do live in a different time. But again, that's kind of the whole history that you're talking about is horses helping us to learn and understand that we do need to wake up and be aware of how we truly are communicating with each other. So let's, yeah. let's, just, let's just go ahead and just talk a little bit about the leadership lessons from horses because I think a lot of people would find it extremely amazing to see how you incorporate horses with coaching. And I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm fascinated with that as well and, and want to learn more because eventually that's what I want to be doing as well. Let's uh, talk about that. So using horses for leadership lessons, how does that work? Through the work that I was doing, I was working in information technology, which, of course, is a very um, knowledge-based 
abstract intellectual pursuit and um and also learning about horses riding horses etc which is you know it's just a whole body experience or a whole being experience and so what i was doing was observing the differences between the way horses are with each other and the way humans are with each other and seeing for the first time that there is this constant hierarchical jockeying going on so as as mammals of course horses live in in social groups just like we do um, they have roles within these groups that may shift and change over time as as individuals come and go or as aging or illness occurs and i started to be able to compare that with what was going on in the workplace and seeing the signals are uh, less obvious to us as we you know live in our prefrontal cortex but they're they're going on all the time so I was starting to notice more and, and pay attention to what constitutes leadership both in the herd as well as, as among people and seeing how, um, how it plays out, you know, good leadership models versus not so good, not, not so inspiring. Mm-hmm. And as I learned more and more about the horses and, and studied particularly, I'm grateful to Ginger Catherine's for the, the, um, the amount of work she's done in showing horses in the wild to us through her videos and the Cloud Foundation. So we get to see horses as they naturally are, very, very rare, very seldom. But um, through the videos that she's done, which are available, I think, through PBS and um, the Nature series. Okay. Yeah, I'd love to look at those, yeah. Yeah, um, we can see how horses behave when they're untouched by humans, how they behave with each other. So what I began to understand and decode was there is this sense of unity in terms of everyone understands their place and it doesn't it's not necessarily about having power it's about the the unity that comes from everybody having a place and knowing a place and performing their role within the herd mm-hmm. and it's, and it's um, about, then it, it boils down to survival doesn't it it does and and propagation of the species Right. Um, the other interesting thing that I discovered was that you know we made this assumption which I think is a Victorian era if not older that the stallion is the leader of the herd when in fact it would appear that the uh, the lead mare and and her coterie are the ones who are really in charge and the stallion is more like what i call a bouncer or a doorman Mm -hmm. Um, he fights off the rivals so that he has the right to breed but he's not he's not the leader of the group per se and of course one of the things that's wonderful with horses is that the mares choose who they will breed with um unlike humans um who aren't always you know females are not always given the choice yeah <laughs> yeah so that's true <laughs> yeah well I, I like what you say the stallion i mean the uh, lead mare of the herd can also decide that the stallion is not really appropriate appropriate mate she can go outside the herd find one find a find a better stallion yeah. and come back to the herd when she when she's ready so <laughs> yes I really, yes. I really enjoyed that. I thought, boy, I thought only more women understood that they <laughs> they can really yes. pick and choose, and they don't have to be so. <laughs> they don't yes. have to spin so quickly. So. <laughs> yeah, and you know, we have uh, females have been socialized for thousands of years um, to to be disempowered, and and so that was another wonderful aspect to start to understand that that mares actually are empowered. As, as mammals and, and many other species as well. No, I I, I especially like to remind <laughs> I like to remind yeah. people about that for sure. But uh, 
Yeah, so, so again, the leadership that forces are teaching us is that it's, it really is pretty basic. Um, one of my previous, in my previous lifetime, I was a director of an employee assistance program. And one of the things that I became, and my background was in systems, family systems, and, and problem-solving strategic therapy. But, but basically what, it, what I became more and more aware of is that the, the EAP program basically is to help people stay on the job. And, and typically, you know, you, if you're having trouble at work, you're having trouble at home. If you're having trouble at home, you're having trouble at work. In other words, you can't mm-hmm. differentiate the two. So basically what I came up with and, and thought about more and more when I thought about the systems approach in the EAP world, Employee Assistance Program world, working with individuals, is that we recreate the family in the in the workplace as we do in our own family of origin. You know, Absolutely. And it's, it's something that a lot of people aren't really aware of is how they actually in the workplace take on the same role that they take on in their family of origin and don't even really under, understand it. And, and, again, that leadership role or, again, being, uh, you know, in a different kind of role, uh, just people kind of find, find themselves kind of fitting into and, and really kind of when, they, when we talk about it, start to almost chuckle a little bit and say, you're right, I'm acting as if I'm back in my family of origin. You know, the comedian, mm-hmm. the problem solver, you know, the different roles that people have, the, the troublemaker, you know. I mean, there are all, there's yep. all these uh, definitions and people who fit into these categories, and it's no different than horses as far as how they are, are the hierarchy is set up. And, and as far as in the workplace, the same hierarchy that's set up in the workplace, that people often don't understand why they're having situations that aren't working. The leadership isn't working, and I think that's uh, that. That in itself is it makes such so much more sense. Yes, and one of the things where I think we struggle in the workplace is where there's a mismatch between authentic leadership through you know personal characteristics and um, behaviors yeah. versus you know the the kind of leadership that goes with money and power and title, right. but isn't backed up by character. Yeah. And we tend to find ourselves in workplaces with leaders we didn't choose or that the herd didn't choose, um, who's perhaps not the greatest exemplar of leadership that we don't trust to follow. And and I guess that goes back to how you you describe horses having character. You know, you talked about trust before love. I mean, we talk about the lessons that horses can, we can learn from is that being mm-hmm. responsible for yourself, but that trust that you have to build within the herd, uh, just like the lead mare, she's not going to be the lead mare unless she has certain characteristics and that she yep. has proven herself to be capable of caring and leading the herd to safety and survival. And yes. The number, the number of, of people who just hang in, the, hang in there in a, work, in a workplace, <laughs> You know, they yep. rise to the top. <laughs> they they yes. shouldn't be there, but they've been there long enough that uh, they end up being in roles that they should never have been even able to, to acquire. So Yes, and, and I think that a great deal of stress in the workplace is a result of that. Um, and the other part of that, too, Nancy, is the respect before trust. Right. Um, and I, I've noticed that a lot working especially with women, that um, women go to love they want to go to love first. They forget respect. They want to be and liked. they forget trust. <laughs> they want to be liked by everyone. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and, and that's a response that I see um, with people, even well with men too, 
is they want to know, does this horse like me? And yeah. what what I try to remind them is that, that we, you know, this horse doesn't have a um, necessarily a like or a dislike. This horse is concerned about, you know, can I push this person around? Yeah. Um, can I trust this person? Um, can I respect this person? And then over time, love can grow from that. And that's absolutely true for human beings. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna follow someone who truly inspires me, but also gives me a vision and shows me mm-hmm. you know, what the possibilities are. But you're right, horses are are constantly checking to see if they can. You know, the respect is very important. But you know, one of the words yep. you didn't you didn't use in the book was you know, and this is I think it's extremely important, which I think horses have taught me, and I think I understand that horses that do better or, or perform better you know, in the show ring or just in general, is their, just their whole presence is their confidence level. And I don't know yes. what you call that in your, in your world, but uh, I think that's what happens with, with the good riders and, good with, and with horses that are, that are happy horses that perform well and, and enjoy doing, doing their job. Is, yeah. I think the word confidence is extremely important. And, and, and I think that's something that women, again, really tend to um, kind of forget also is that building on experiences and having positive results, but also building that confidence because, uh, you know, that's that's women empowerment. It's really confidence, you know, confidence mm-hmm. in who you are and, and not having to please everyone, but knowing what your job is and knowing what, the, what you're producing and understanding outcomes as well. Yes, you're absolutely right. So, you know, horses... And I, lo- I love I love this in the book also. Horses teach us to be our best selves. Explain that, please. <laughs> <laughs> I guess what um, the, the I guess the primary thing that happens um, for me and what happens to people as they start to spend more time with horses is that we start to become um, much more self-aware. And and I think the reason for that is because there is this element. I I also call it the the, the familiar as well as the strange. Is what is what we experience when we're with horses because as fellow mammals we share many characteristics, many strategies for survival, but they as prey animals have fundamentally some great differences, and it's in those differences that we need to pay attention, and that paying attention is how we then start to develop awareness, mm-hmm. and it doesn't come easily. I learned how to live in the present moment, moment to moment with horses, oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. and um, yeah, so it's it's by being with them, and, and that, of course, is fundamentally, I think, because of their size and their strength. And for us, there's, we're always on the edge of threat reward with them. So self-awareness becomes absolutely imperative to being with them. And as we develop self-awareness um, and become comfortable if, with the now, then, we be able, then we're able to pay attention to how they're behaving more how we impact them, how they impact us. And so we start to see that interaction dynamic. And, and so what I was paying more attention to was how can I, as you mentioned, how can I create a greater sense of calm and ease with this force in this relationship? And, and that's what leads us to being our best selves. When we become aware of others, not in a codependent way, not in I'm, I'm not trying to please this horse in order to save myself or avoid conflict. I'm trying to create a co-create a relationship where we are equal and it's, it's a rewarding relationship for both parties. 
I'm not, I don't want to use this horse as a tool. I don't want to abuse this horse, certainly. So all of those, those aspects of developing awareness, and it's a form of mindfulness. It's very meditative. Sure. Is, is I think, where that, that inner journey begins. Right. Because we are not self-aware. That increasingly, we're distracted by digital devices and, you know, traffic and the news and, and on and on. And so we, we tend not to be able to. We find it difficult to pay attention to what's really going on inside yeah. and how we're impacting others. I think even horses know if you're if you're not attending to them. I mean, they absolutely. They're very they're very you know if you're not if you're not attending and you're not focusing on what's going on, uh, they'll get your attention pretty quickly. And uh, you know, yeah. I, I, I mean, I can't go I can't go to the barn and ride unless I'm fully present. I can't do it. I mean, I absolutely. Mean, I know when I'm riding, if I'm not available, and, and the horse knows it immediately. It's, they know immediately when you get on them what what kind of mood you're in and what kind of what what they're sensing from you, which is yep. you know again if you have a if you have a bad ride, it's because you're having you're not having an, uh, an interaction, a positive interaction with one another, and it's it's uh, you know it's interesting that they constantly are are cha- not challenging but but measuring having you measure emotionally how you are on a on a moment to moment basis which is something most human beings don't have a, have a clue about you know the the, yeah. dalai, the dalai lama says and i agree is that we have to wake up and i think in mm-hmm. our society now as you talked about digital and technology is that now more than ever we human beings have to wake up and start to attend and focus on focus on ourselves and one another and how we're interacting and what we're actually, what the outcome is. So I think, you know, you you're doing this, and I'm going to do this, is to to help people to understand that with horses, we're better. We're better. Yes. They're teaching us about being human. <laughs> they really yes, are. Yes, they are. Teaching us being human beings as we were intended to be, and to care for one another and to connect with one another, just like they do in the herd every single day. Yes, and and what you're describing is um, their survival strategy is fundamentally based on awareness. They they have to be aware 24 by 7, and the herd is so poor, the horse cannot survive alone. And we've lost that uh, cognizance. Our our amygdala and our physiology hasn't forgotten it, but our frontal cortex has. Survival strategy is, is all about awareness. I need to see the predator you know, when it's way over on the horizon before it gets close. Yeah, and and so if you're not paying attention, then you're a threat to the safety of the herd, and they want you to pay attention or get away. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. this is this is a topic that you and I could talk about a long, long time about, and I, I love this this whole concept. And, and uh, I'm excited about using many of your principles and, and your teachings uh, in my own, uh, own life and, and, again, with my own horses as well and with people. Ellen, where can they learn more about you, your book, The Executive Horse, and buy your book, learn about your coaching and your uh, different presentations and also your retreats and different things that you have coming up? Well, I want to thank you so much, Nancy, for having me on the show and giving me the opportunity to reach more people. Um, I do have a website. My business is called Equine Coach. E-Q-U-I-N-E-C-O-A-C-H. And, of course, it's www.equinecoach.ca, not .com. 
Um, so, uh, you know, my story, and um, I've got a blog on there. I, I list some of the things that I do coaching-wise. Um, my book is also available if you want a signed copy from my website, or you can find it on Amazon um, by just searching on the executive horse. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do also this partnership with a, a colleague that we call Alphamere Leadership. There's um, a website, alphamereleadership.com, and we do a monthly webinar where we talk about women and power, and we interview different women and ask them a series of questions about how power shows up for them, um, yeah. how they are empowered, and talk about it, in, especially in relationship to leadership. Yeah. Well, I, w- I would um, love to talk about that as well, so that, that's definitely where I am at. Yeah. yeah. Alpha Mare Leadership. <laughs> I, lo- I love all these concepts. I absolutely love it. <clears throat> and one yeah. of the most important things that we talk about in our horse world is moving forward. And yeah. uh, that's what this is all about for us to continue to move forward and to uh, continue to be, uh, to move forward in our lives and to create positive lives and help those around us as well. And I think that's the other thing that horses really do. Uh, they're out there helping one another too. They're very, very common. Yes. If I could just also mention, uh, Nancy, I have developed um, a kind of a self-assessment, which is called the Eightfold Path of Equus. And it's based on um, principles that my trainer, Chris Irwin, uses with uh, training riders and horse trainers, but I've associated it with emotional intelligence, and I use it as a a tool, a self help tool for people to see where they are in their lives, and if they're looking for coaching or consulting or a psychologist, it will help them look at where they might want to prioritize their attention in their lives. And it's, it's a free tool, um, so I invite anyone who wishes to to go. It takes about seven or eight minutes, and you get an instant report. Okay. Well, I'm, yeah. looking at, I'm looking at it right now, and I've got 78 minutes, so I think I will complete this after we continue, uh, after we've uh, finished our discussion, our conversation. But uh, uh, I sure would like to keep in touch with you, Evelyn, because, uh, again, uh, I'm sure there's many things that we can match up doing that can be very helpful to women's leadership as well as, again, just, just building the human, helping us all to be good human beings. How about that? <laughs> oh, yes. I'd love to stay in touch, Nancy, and talk some more about this. Absolutely. And hopefully meet one day. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, your training is typically in, in Canada. Is that where you do most of your training? I do, but it is, um, it's in my um, plan to, to train elsewhere as well. I'm developing a partnership with a woman, a coach from France. Um, she's coming over here. We're going to do a retreat in September, and I'm hoping to be able to you know, offer my own retreats as well as partnerships um, in the North America and in Europe. Yeah. Well, you need to keep me keep us uh, posted on all that. Uh, I'm located in Santa Barbara, California, which is well, it's Montecito, uh, but there right. are there are horse ranches all over this place. This is horse country. And oh well, I love California. Yeah, California is wonderful and. Um, um, I just had an I had another little filly last night. Uh, I've got uh, a little colt that was born two weeks ago. So this uh, is, uh, <clears throat> I'm having a ball. Yes. Let's stay in touch, and and uh, this has been delightful. And I'm going to take my assessment. Okay. Thank you so much for for setting this up. I really enjoyed it. And then I hope to be in touch with you very soon. <laughs>